Welcome to the For Love and Money podcast, the show where business and social purpose meet to inspire a movement for positive change. Here's your host, Carolyn Butler-Madden. My guest today is a champion for the UN Sustainable Development Goals, otherwise known as the Global Goals or the World's To-Do List. If you aren't aware of these goals, now's your time to learn about them through this episode. Mick Hayes is the founder of 17X, a movement designed to engage the business community with the Sustainable Development Goals. As an impact-driven entrepreneur, Mick and his brand exist to connect companies together to use business to build solutions to the world's biggest challenges. 17X uses TEDx-like speaking events to showcase how leaders and founders are using their business as a force for good in the world and aligning with the global goals. Now, 17X tours Australia each year with its events, and it's building a huge community of values-aligned brands and people. Mick is also a dad of two boys, husband to a great wife, Renee, and keen ocean lover and surfer. He's also a public speaker and workshop facilitator, and he is an energetic and engaging speaker with a real passion for connecting people to their impact, engaging humans through purpose, and how to lead people with Aligned Values. Mick, welcome to the For Love and Money podcast. Carolyn, I'm grateful to be here. Thank you. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to getting into this conversation and also really getting into the global goals a little bit more in depth um, because, yeah, I, it's interesting. Um, I think a lot of us in this area think that everyone knows about the global goals and yet I still meet a lot of people who don't. Yeah, yeah sure. Absolutely. Um, I, I still meet Plenty of people that are doing great things in the world, but yeah, maybe they're just not on the global goals kind of train just yet. <laughs> right. Now, look, I always kick off with the same first question for our guests, which is when you think about business or when you think about purpose in business, um, does love have a role to play? What are your thoughts? Absolutely. Um I think uh, you got to love what you do, right? And I, I, I was thinking about uh, something along these lines earlier around, you know, your purpose and that whole Simon Sinek thing around finding your why, you know, they have to have some kind of link to your personal love of what you like to do, right? So, um, you know, I'm, I'm still kind of going through that what is our actual impact model? What are we, what are we here to do with 17X? And... But when I really think deeply, it comes back to that just connecting great humans together. And I absolutely love doing that anyway. You know, I'm a fairly social person um, when it comes down to it. So, uh, you know, loving what you do and and aligning that with why you, why you exist personally, I think absolutely there's a bridge there. Yeah, brilliant. And um, I'm keen to hear your backstory um, and to explore that even further through, you know, what what brought you here? What what brought? Give us a little bit of your background, um, but I'd love to understand, you know, what brought you to doing this thing specifically. Um, yeah, that's a cool question because my background is I don't necessarily have a uh, a massive success story, if you like. I'm I'm just a regular guy. I. You know, I am a dad of two boys. Uh, I live in country New South Wales. I have a mortgage. <laughs> you know, I uh, 
I yeah, I certainly loved to surf. My my upbringing was was you know quote unquote kind of very normal. You know, working mum and dad. I grew up in Lismore, um, which many of you have probably heard about recently. Getting a bit wet. Shout out to to everyone in Lismore getting back to uh, back on their feet. Um, yeah, and through my twenties and thirties, I was kind of moving around trying to figure out yeah, you, what do I want to do with my my career, my life, and chopped and changes different jobs and lived in different countries and, and kind of did that exploration thing. And um, I guess I never really found purpose is the right word at the time, but I never really found what what felt very natural for me to to sit in with, with, with a, a career or, you know, a business that I wanted to really push forward with. Um, and I'd say probably a few life events changed that up for me in my late thirties. Um, you know, becoming a dad, I think is a big, big culture shock for a young man that spent, I, I, I didn't become a dad until I was 30, which um, isn't necessarily late, but going from a young guy that was kind of living a fairly invincible life, cruising around the world at times and, you know, being very free and then obviously having this other little human that you all of a sudden you're responsible for, I think gave me a little bit of that snapshot into, okay, there's, there's bigger things than just doing my own stuff. Um, yeah. So it's certainly becoming a dad. Um, my wife, Renee, uh, she got quite sick. She's okay now, but she had her, an adventure with cancer. Um, oh, no. which, uh, she's, she's okay now and, and, and fully recovered. Um, but as a young family, that was probably a bit of a wake-up call for for me as well to kind of think, you know, what is the big picture, and um, maybe uh, maybe there are some some bigger things to be a part of. Um, so that I think that certainly played a part. Um, and then I had just the I think the benefit of meeting some really interesting people right right place right time um, that opened my eyes to the idea of you know reciprocity. Um, doing good contribution, but how you can actually embed that into not just the way that you live, but the way that, you know, you can run a business and that businesses don't necessarily need to be all about, you know, how much money can we make and and go and buy more stuff, (laughs) but how can we use, you know, business as a way to create, you know, certainly success, but also create, you know, some, purposeful outcomes, whether for the people that work within the business or the, you know, the community around it and the, and the stakeholders. So I think that'd be my combination of how I ended up with, with doing this. And um, somewhere in the middle of, of all of that, when I started thinking about 17X, I had someone tell me, uh, it's a shit idea, you can't do it. Oh, no. And that, and that probably spurred me on too. And I went, right, let's see what happens. But, well, <laughs> wait, wait, how could anyone, I'm just trying, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to imagine that conversation. Yeah, it was a good one. Um, I I won't name them out of respect because um, you know I think I think they were probably just more trying to give me some reality of running an events company is, is probably the right. Way. Okay. So, um, I reached out to someone who ran uh, at the time a fairly large uh, exhibition style event, and I said, "Hey, I'm thinking about doing this thing." would love some advice and all of the advice was don't do it (laughs) (laughs) and I think inside of that I I am very competitive so yeah that that was probably a nice little thank goodness you are Mick (laughs) Um, yeah you know it's it's funny that I think I don't know if it's arrogance or 
uh, a healthy combination of maybe arrogance and self-belief and somewhere there's somewhere in the mix there where it's like, well, if you tell me that I can't do it, well, maybe I'll just have a crack and, hey, you might be right, but at least we can have a go. Um, so that's 10, that's kind of how I've been operating with this for a little while. Yeah, see okay. Where, see where we end up. <laughs> Build the plane on the way down. <laughs> and and I wonder, I mean, you talk about arrogance and self-belief, but because it was connected to this, um, I don't know, awakening of, you know, seeking a bigger picture and yeah. and more meaning and, you know, having children and how it's shifted your thinking, um, I wonder. I wonder how much that had to play into it. I wonder if it was just a self-serving event and you'd been given that advice, whether your arrogance and self-belief would have been enough to keep you going. Yeah, well, that's right. I think, you know, having, and this is where we work with, you know, you, when you work with teams about how we can embed purpose into their culture that really engages people, certainly the same thing goes for founders and people operating their own, their own, you know, social enterprise or, or startup or, or, or yeah, moving, um, moving into this purpose-driven world is that when, when the road gets a bit rough or things look like, oh man, what am I doing? Then that obviously, you know, I think Steve Jobs talked about this years ago, right? Is is that 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 aligned values and purpose is kind of what makes it all worthwhile. You go, well, mm. hang on a minute, there's more to it than just, you know, ticking a few boxes. Let's and and that that's the energy and I guess the um uh the motivation to just yeah work through it and and make things happen. So um. Yeah, I'd say that if I was just out to try and make money, 17X probably wouldn't have survived because in the first year we aligned it all with charity and gave all the money away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, not the sort of thing you do with a normal business. No, not at all. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, brilliant. So, look, can you can you do me a favour and just give some background um, to listeners who aren't familiar with the Global Goals um, they'll be wondering why why it's called seventeen X for a start. Um, yeah, I do get that. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, if you could give um, background into the global goals, we haven't actually had an episode where we've gone into them in yep. depth, and we don't need to go too detailed. But yeah, um, just just um, give us that sort of overview. Yeah. So look, um, twenty fifteen, the the UN and and global leaders all got together uh, and they basically, you know, in a nutshell said the world's not in a great place. Um, We need to fix it or we're all stuffed. And they came out of that conversation with 17 goals. And they are a, I guess, an evolution of the millennial goals that were before that. Um, And the whole idea is that global leaders, countries, and now, you know, particularly over, say, the last say five or six years, it's really becoming a blueprint for companies and and both large and small to get involved. Um, So the 17 goals cover uh, an array of different, you know, very macro, uh, big picture challenges that the world faced. And they are broken down into smaller KPIs that you can get really micro into if you like. So I think the beauty of the global goals for me is that um, depending on, what area you're playing in, whether you are a small or a large business, you can go macro or micro with them and still make a dent. And you can go community-based versus national and international and global. Um, And they are scalable in that sense in terms of the impact that you want to create. So you don't have to fix the world's problem 
around poverty, you can just manage that in your own community, right? So um, the 17 global goals, as they are referred to, as you said, uh, they, um, they cover off really um, the natural environment. Uh, they cover off, you know, biodiversity and all, you know, uh, they also cover off a whole bunch of areas around society um, and then, you know, some around, um, I guess, business and economics, if you like. But um, effectively, it, it really is a great way to cover off all areas. And the, the beauty of it is that you don't have to cover all 17. And that's a, that's a real, um, I guess, key learning for anyone looking at these things and trying to figure out, well, how do I start? Because there's 17 really big goals. Like, for an example, number one is no poverty, right? Now, that's a really big goal. And to achieve that, sorry, so the global goals are set up to be achieved by 2030, it's the 2030 agenda. Um, you know, no poverty, it's, a, it's kind of a big thing. And um, quality education is another one. Um, equality, um, you know, reduced inequalities, I think is really important. There's ones around climate action, um, looking after our ocean, our lands. And then right through to, you know, number 17 is where we play is, is really is around partnerships for the goals and how we can actually work together. Um, and, yeah, and going back to the idea that depending on what you're up to and, and, and you talk about love and purpose and kind of finding what, it, what are we here to exist for and just pick one. You know, you only have to pick one because if I pick one and you pick one and they're different, that's cool and happy days. And by the time we've all done that, then everything's covered off. And what they really do is provide a great blueprint for companies to look at how do we start, where do we start, what are some things that we should be working on, and, you know, they're, they're a great engagement tool for that as well. Yeah, and, um, and it's, it's really interesting with the goals. You can start with one, but you, st you soon discover that they're all interconnected, aren't they? Absolutely, yeah. In different ways. So you, you might start with one, and then you actually find you're contributing to another goal, and it, it becomes really motivating as well. Absolutely. Um, you know, and then there's also some complexity inside that as well is where that whilst you're, you know, working on one, there's there's possibility to both positively and actually negatively affect other goals. So there's actually now, you know, the impact measurement is kind of the next stage. We've, we've all kind of gotten on board with the, well, hopefully most of us are getting on board or already on board with, we know why this stuff needs to happen. We know why climate, climate change is a problem. Um, we are starting to understand better what the solutions are and how we can go about fixing these things. But measurement is kind of the next part. How do we actually measure that and make sure that we are, um, you know, understanding how we're moving the needle on these, these, these challenges. And part of that impact measurement shows, yeah, um, how we can make sure that there is a, I guess, coexisting impact across multiple goals without negatively affecting others, if, if that makes sense. So um, it is a challenge in some ways, um, but other ways, um, you know, you may be working on bringing water to people in need around the world. Uh, and that in effect is also helping out with the poverty side of things. And most likely if you're working with communities, you're starting to employ people and it starts to, yeah, as you say, you, you really evolve through it. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I remember um, one, one famous story that came out years ago was um, Tom's uh, do you remember when Tom started and it was Tom's shoes yep. and they had the one for one model and you know um, they were doing amazing amazing things until Blake McCoskey 
um, found out it was a rather rude awakening. He found out that um, they were putting local shoemakers in um, in where, where was it South America out of business. And yeah. did did you hear about that story? Yeah. And you know how many shoes are ending up in kind of landfill and all yep. that kind of stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, and that's I think. It's kind of the the naivety I think that can come along with this area, but I, I think it shouldn't be shunned. Like that's mm. yes, it's not a great outcome, and you know, putting in some remedy to fix that is perhaps which they did you know, right. The they step. then they, yeah. they they ended up using that information to make sure that seventy percent, I think it was seventy percent of the shoes they sourced came from um, local businesses, so. The point is not to use that um, as an excuse, not to do anything in the first place. It's more understanding that um, once you start on this journey, um, you start to become conscious about all sorts of implications and impacts, and that can only be a good thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of the um, you know organisations that are helped with some of the measurement and uh, you know like a B Corp, for example. They're really encouraging, well, actually, you know, mandating that companies are looking at the wider stakeholder effect of, of their companies, uh, which I think is really valid. So, but yeah, you can't you can't understand that until you go down that path, right? So starting starting even with you know ten percent better than what you used to do in certain things is great, and then as you progress through this and looking wider through the company footprint not just in your immediate circle, then obviously it's going to open up other doors to get better and better as you go. Um, but certainly not being able to get it 100% right from the very start is not is not the excuse to, to not start looking at how your company can, can create some good in the world. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and there's look, there are easy ways to start. You talked about B Corp and, um, you know, I, I, I plan to, um, to, to do an episode on B Corp, we're actually a certified B Corp, and it is it, it's not an easy undertaking to become B Corp certified. Yeah. It's it's a brilliant, absolutely amazing process to go through because it opens your eyes to just how many levers there are to create impact. Um, and you know, I'm I'm right in the centre of the impact space and it opened my eyes wide to things I hadn't even thought about. Um, So it's a fantastic process, but it is, um, it's comprehensive and it takes time. And and there are ways you can get started that are simpler. So I I noticed you're a Pledge 1% member, aren't you, Mick? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. so perhaps you could talk a little bit about Pledge 1% because I see you've got an initiative um, around Pledge 1% too. Yeah, well, look, Pledge 1% is really easy. That was started by the Atlassian and Salesforce kind of founders and leadership teams years ago. Um, the whole the whole movement around Pledge 1% is simply it's a, um, it's a promise that you make as a brand. That's all it is. It doesn't cost you anything to be a part of their movement and or their community. And the whole idea is that you pledge 1% of either your your revenue, your your profit, um, your product or your time uh, to whatever cause you want. So, it, it, again, it's nothing that they control. It's just saying, yep, we pledge that we're going to 
um, give a minimum of 1%. Now, I think the beauty of it is it doesn't have to be money-based because, you know, particularly if you're thinking of the smaller social enterprise crew that are starting up, it's hard. You know, even the larger guys, it's hard. Like, this is this is not a tr- not an easy industry to be in, and there's a lot of conversations around at the moment um, around how, how to actually unlock funding for, <laughs> for social enterprises. You know, so um, the beauty about pledge one percent is that you can do things like donate one percent of your time or your or your product um, to causes that you're passionate about. So they're directly aligned with what you do. Um, yeah, we're running a, a pledge two fifty campaign through our seventeen X Australian tour this year, just as a way to try and engage our community with the idea that hey here's a great place to start in terms of what is the promise that you want to make to the world through your business and you know having metrics like one percent whether it's one percent five percent whatever you're actually doing it doesn't that's cool but uh, but saying that you know drawing that line in the sand that we are going to give a minimum of one percent to the products that we care about or that sorry the causes we care about then it's nice it's a nice kind of flag in this in the in the sand to say this is where we're starting um and I think, you know, things like Pledge 1%, um, we're also a member of B1G1, um, which I've been partnered with those guys for over 10 years now. Masami um, Sato in Singapore founded that and, along with Paul Dunn. And, you know, they have this international community of companies looking at how they can embed transaction-based giving into their business model. So our tickets with our company uh, are tickets for good for all of our events and, our ticket holders can choose whether they educate people, um, whether they provide water or plant trees straight off the back of um, of their tickets. And it's a, it's a fair bit more than 1%, but that just allows us also to unlock transaction-based giving um, into just, just everyday business, right? Just as we run our business, good things happen. Yeah, and it's almost with B1G1, it's um, – and we've actually had Paul Dunn on as a guest – um, on this podcast, I'm I also yeah. We're also we're also a long time <laughs> B1G1 member, um, and the beauty of B1G1 is it it just it is so easy to start. You can start when you're not even making money because the impacts are you know as low as one cent or two cent, and it's when you just get started with it because it takes away any excuse of yeah I've got I need to earn more money before I can do that. Yeah. It integrates impact into the everyday of your business as you said it's it moves away from giving back into giving forward yeah sure you know and um i love that you say that they make it easy you know, platforms like that and and the pledge one percent is, is similar as well where it's just so easy and it, it's kind of there are no excuses because one percent of your time if you think about that you know that's pretty doable <laughs> um and yeah. I think if anyone sat down and actually mapped out, all right, how am I going to roster in 1% of my time to do to do A, B or C into, you know, what I'm keen about? When you actually write down 1% of your time as in the span of minutes, you probably go, well, hang on a minute. I probably can times that by at least five or 10 because that's not a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the B1G1 movement's really cool because, as you say, you can automate it and you can start small and scale up as you grow. Um, I've personally been a member of, of B1G1 in various different businesses for the last, uh, must be, I think 2009 is when we started or when I started. So um, yeah, it's an easy automated process. So, but one thing that I'd love to stress on this, Carolyn, is um, I had this really great experience at our Brisbane event 
um, earlier this year, we had our seventh, second event of the year at um, QT in Brisbane. And I had this young guy, he was, I think he was only 21, 21 year old. And um, he came up to me afterwards and he said, hey, I've got a question for you. And this, this is really interesting. And he says, why are all these people talking about giving all their money away? Because <laughs> we just had our six speakers and they were, a few of them had this kind of um, almost like a, 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 a earn one, give one or, or yep. donate kind of model, right? And he was like, well, you know, I'm, if I'm trying to make money, I'm trying to keep it, right? Because I need to, you know, I want to buy a house yep. and do this stuff. And I said, well, and I spent the time trying to convince him that giving was good. <laughs> and I felt like I really didn't answer that question right. And it sat with me for a couple of days. And I kind of came circled back around to him. And I really think that there's a big difference between how you're giving and how you're living. It's kind yep. of the light bulb I had around it. And it and having a purpose-driven business or a purpose-driven life shouldn't be measured on how much you give. It should be measured more on just how you live. And yes. If giving isn't isn't within your means right now because of either financial or structural or, you know, whatever it is, barriers within the business that make giving not achievable. Certainly living within purpose pillars is, is where maybe the yardstick should be measured. So my example to him was, you know, you don't have to give away money to be an awesome person. Um, yeah, if you want to be a, as a 21 year old guy, right, here's a good thing. You can be a champion for women and, and make sure that you're an ally for young women when you're out and about with your friends, you know, partying on the weekend. And if you see men, whether, whether young men, whether they're in your circle or other men, and, and they might be getting a little bit too excited and maybe degrading women at the bar or whatever in those kind of social circles as a young guy, you can stand into that and live into that and stand up for that. And that's you living a purposeful, meaningful life and you're contributing to SDG 5 around equality. Um, you know, so it, you can live in that way rather than having to worry about what is it that you're going to give. And giving just can be a part of purpose later. So um, I, I love that. Important. I love that you've shared that, Nick. And what I love about it is... Um, giving is just one aspect mm. of purpose right yeah um and this idea of giving back is the easiest thing for people to grasp i have a business you know i make my business successful and i give back yeah but it's just one example of how you can do that what what what's happening is we're seeing the growth of um i've heard it described as Mission 2.0 businesses who right. are starting a business, they actually decide on the problem they want to solve before they decide on the business that will solve it. Yeah, sure. And these aren't nonprofits, they're not social enterprises. Um, they are people who are committed to solving a problem, whether it's an environmental problem or otherwise. So We've we've had a few on we've had quite a few on this podcast already. We've had Pearly, so Dr. Kyle Turner is the founder of Pearly, and his mission is to um, make oral hygiene accessible to everybody. 
So they've developed this um, business called Pearly, which is an app which gives free um, dental healthcare. Like you get free dental healthcare checks um, and it then connects you to dentists. So it really helps um, people in remote Australia, for example, who might not have access to, um, could, to dental healthcare at all. Um, so they've built this business model around that. Um, there's Good Citizens Eyewear who, you know, they decided they wanted to untrash the planet and the eye, eyewear business or sunglasses business wasn't the first thought. It was how do we re remove plastic waste from our environment? And they've come up with a model where, you know, one pair of um, Good Citizen Sunnies is made by one um, 600 mil plastic bottle. Um, one hundred percent made, including the hinge, which was a really, really challenging thing for them. And there's a whole host of these businesses, so it's not just about giving back. Giving back is the easiest way for people to understand, but it's using your business to solve um, society's problems. As you say, it's I love the way you put it. There's a big difference between how you're giving and how you're living. I love that. I love it. Yeah. Enjoying the podcast? If you're looking for more inspiration, head to our website, thecauseeffects.com.au for more resources on how you can start using your business as a force for good. Or buy the For Love and Money book. Every copy sold allows us to protect one square metre of rainforest. Help us save 10,000 square metres by 2025. Something you touched on there is a friend of mine, Eli Harrell from Valhalla, um, and he works in edutech and, and helping founders create technologies that can help with the education gap. Um, and he does talk about how to create businesses to fix human-centered problems. And, you know, businesses just, can just be the vehicle. Um, yeah. The, uh, listening to you talk there about the brands reminded me of um, Dr. Clinton Schultz, the founder, yes. co-founder of Sober Beverages here on the coast. He spoke at our Brisbane event. And one of the great things that he talked about was how he uses First Nations principles from his traditional um, country as the backbone of the company to, you know, uh, to run a completely Indigenous founded and employed company. And beer is just the product, is, mm. is, in, in his words. He's like, well, it, we're not here to sell beer. We're here to create a difference for you know, the Indigenous people of Australia and in, in, a, in a variety of different ways. And, um, but the beer is just the vehicle on how they do that. And I thought that was really cool and the way that they use um, some founding principles from his, yeah, First Nations community, which is, you know, thousands of years old, as the fundamental model for his company. And the, the transaction part of selling beer um, is just the vehicle and the means to the ends on how they create that impact. So, yeah. um, and I think that's where maybe the innovation pathway can lead us. So some of these challenges are quite large, you know, the climate issue particularly. And the innovation that's required now is needs to be at such a scale that, you know, the governments must be involved. There has to be a, a, a lot of funding to help the private sector innovate uh, at, at a speed that they need to. And... You know, that, that in itself 
has nothing to do with giving. That's about innovation and innovating, you know, new solutions to do things like capture carbon or change the way we make cement. And that that then in itself is just an innovation and a business model that's that's going to solve a problem and it has nothing to do with giving. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's there's absolutely a uh, you know there, there's a bunch of different ways that companies can can get involved with things like the global goals to create outcomes and it and it doesn't have to be money based. Exactly, and it as you say, it it drives innovation. I I, I think that there is no coincidence that the most innovative business lists are dominated by purpose-led businesses and organisations because if you are truly in service to a higher purpose, which is about solving societal and human problems, um, it, it, you can't help for, um, but for it to drive innovation because you are trying to solve that problem and you are not limited in your thinking to your products or services it's serving that higher purpose is leading your strategy that is what being purpose-led means and the global goals is a fantastic way to drive that innovation um what do they say the global goals is the biggest business development opportunity for businesses globally it's like a multi-trillion dollar opportunity (laughs) I mean, you just sit around um, Paul Pullman, you know, and just have a listen to some of the stuff that he's talking about. You know, it's, yeah, the, the opportunity outweighs, it's just that that myopic focus of old school thinking, right, is is what is the short-term loss that we create right now for the long-term gain? And, and I think that's also something to be really clear about is that none of this stuff's going to change fast. And I understand that and I have empathy for that, you know. I understand that that our resources sector in this country employs thousands and thousands of people, and that's a lot of homes and families and mortgages and and you know livelihoods that we can't just turn off overnight either. As far as as much as we can't turn off the economics and industry part of that as well, it is a progression and it is a long term change, but it has to start and it has to be sped up to be as quick as possible. I think some of these bigger companies that are just ticking the box for 2050 yep. um, maybe need to look in the mirror and turn around and go, yeah, well, you know, if Twiggy's going to do it in nine years and invest a few billion to make it happen, then why can't we? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, speeding up the needle a bit. But, yeah, it's a transition. It's absolutely a transition. And some companies are doing it and, and they're putting it in and, and others are a little bit slower to the party. Um but uh, yeah, you know, it is that the the evolution of of business, and I think the evolution of that innovation that's going to be required or is currently required to fix some of these major challenges, particularly around inequalities, you know, poverty uh, across the across the world, and certainly climate. The, the, I think one of the opportunities in that lay in amongst that is the collaboration, you know. You'd see it all the time and you, you you just have to look at some of these bigger companies that are really leading the pack, you know, Patagonia and Unilever and so forth, is that collaboration over competition is pretty powerful. And we see mm. it through 17X all the time is it's an open door policy to do business together. And, yeah. you, you know, you, you'll you see it at Purpose next week and we saw it at the Social Enterprise World Forum last week or two weeks ago is no, nobody's hiding behind their cards and saying, oh, no, I'm not sharing my info with you. It's not a com- competitive environment. It is very much a, 
oh, okay, you're working on climate tech, I'm working on climate tech, let's swap notes and see what's what. And this this open door policy to to collaborate and do business together creates the opportunities that come out of that. Just just are endless, yeah. Absolutely, and yeah, collaboration over competition is is one of the most um, fundamental pillars. I'd, there are so many examples of it, um, and I talk a lot about it in in my book, same name as this podcast, for love and money. Um, and intrepid travel is one example that I think really clarifies it beautifully when the um, when when COVID hit. They went from, you know, five years of having, um, you know, their best um, revenue generating successful yeah. years to zero. Okay. Overnight, they went to zero and they had to lay off their people, which was really hard for them. And being a company that wants to be the best travel company for the world, it was their purpose that actually reconnected them to how they could do that and collaboration over competition was one of the key things that came out of it. Um, two initiatives they had, one was um, their animal protection um, toolkit that they developed, which normally, you know, that would be your IP as a business, right? Sure. And they actually made it available to the industry and to their competitors for free. They did the same for um, their um, 10 point plan to become a carbon neutral um, business. Yeah. Um, actually, it wasn't carbon neutral, I think it was um, carbon zero. Yeah, again, they made it available to their competitors. And it's this idea of if we want to be the best travel company for the world, we have to lead our category, we have to help our competitors. You know, together we've got to be able to do much, much better and change the way we do things. And it's such a powerful philosophy. And I think really taps into, as human beings, the best of us. Um, and once you start thinking that way, it's just, um, it changes. It changes the way you show up and the way you operate. Absolutely. And there's a bit of um, accountability in there too, right? You could, you share you share your plans with everybody else and there's like, all right, shit, now we've got to make sure we actually deliver on this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah built the, in. That's the business coach in me coming out. Um, the accountability factor, but yeah, I mean, if if you truly stand for that outcome, then you know, for me, uh, I reach. There's there's a great organisation um, called the Social Good Summit, and and they operate basically a very similar thing to what Seventeen X is all about. They run a speaking event every year in Sydney. It's all around the global goals. Um, Actually, it's Melbourne this year. They did a Melbourne one recently as well. Their first trip to Melbourne was, I think, last week or the week before. Yeah. Um, sounds like it was great. And shout out to Katia and her team for, for putting all that together. And when I found out, what, you know, that they, they were already around and I just I just rang her up and I said, hey, you know, I've got this thing. I'm kind of doing the same thing. But how about you come and tell your story on our podcast and we'll just – we're both here to drive the agenda for the global goal. So the, the more that we can do that, then happy days. And I think – there was this great thing from um, uh, Elon Musk recently and, you know, love him or hate him, right? <laughs> um, someone was interviewing him and said, well, and part of his answer was around Tesla and he was saying that if somebody else comes along and, and produces a better, more efficient electric car that puts Tesla out of business, he's okay with that because ultimately it means that the electric vehicle 
uh, you know, movement has progressed and we are better off for a global, you know, society for it. So yeah. at the end of the day, the purpose has been achieved. And if it's not him and someone else, well, yeah, well, okay, the business is going to suffer, but ultimately the purpose and, you know, what, what the company's there to achieve has been achieved. So yeah. happy days. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that's pretty impressive. That's yeah, that's very impressive. Um, and and that is what being led by your purpose is about. I think there are so many businesses out there who have a purpose statement and think they've checked that box and that makes them a purpose led business. But um, if it's not leading your strategy um, and leading how you how you collaborate with others. Um, to yep. serve that purpose, then you've really got to question it. Now, Mick, we've gone down this rabbit hole, <laughs> which has been great. Um, but I want I uh, tell us about seventeen X. Um, you know, I gave a bit of um, background in yep. the intro, but if you could tell our listeners um, what it is and what you're doing with it, that would be wonderful. Cool, thank you. Um, so seventeen X, we are a I think a, a one line version is we're a TED style speaking event are designed to engage the business community with the global goals. So what I do is um, we travel around Australia with an Australian tour um, and hit, you know, a bunch of capital cities. So we started in 2019, did five cities uh, with a bit of let's just see what happens attitude uh, and it went really well and had met some really fascinating people. Uh, the whole premise is that we find social enterprise leaders, change makers, circular economy people you know whatever titles you want to give that that kind of area all the way up into the corporate esg sustainability leads you know so companies and leaders from all businesses sizes shapes and um, but generally for-profit business models um, and i find these great people and i put them on stage and i give them 17 minutes <laughs> to tell us how they're using their business to create outcomes aligned with the global goals um, and really it's about engaging our audience that you don't have to be a charity or you don't have to be a billionaire to be able to create some change and that we can use our business uh, to yes make money be successful but also do some good in the world and using the global goals really as a blueprint on how and where to start um, and when we started that out, it was very much around this engagement piece. But I think as we're growing, the conversation is almost morphing into it's now our responsibility as company leaders to be working towards outcomes like the global goals. Or if you're not on the global goals, you're on something else. But at least there's some sort of purposeful impact happening for people, planet or society in general. Um and so, yeah, here we are again, post-COVID, post, -COVID, post uh, a little bit of quiet time in, in 2021. Um, we've just done Sydney and Brisbane recently, had six amazing speakers at each event. We've got Perth coming up soon. Uh, we will be finishing out the year for 2022 in Adelaide and then Melbourne. Um, six speakers from some amazing companies, both large and small Um and we, we use homegrown companies, right? So we don't fly speakers in from other cities. It's all about how do the Perth audience understand what's happening in their Perth community and we find people locally to come talk. Um, and, yeah, short, sharp keynotes uh, to change the world. And it's, it's an events company, Carolyn, but we are very, very quickly turning into a community. It's just... This, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. It's... Um, 
Uh, it's quite humbling um, just watching this community of people come together around this brand. And we really do sit, and, and I know it's very easy to say, oh, yeah, we sit in 17, you know, partnerships for the goals because we're all working together. But our, our model is is very much becoming this community matchmaking opportunity to bring companies together that are values aligned that can work together or even just be champions for one another in creating, you know, creating their own impact. And it's, um, it's a really powerful space to be in and um, yeah, loving every minute of it. I bet you are. That's brilliant. And you know, what you're doing is so valuable, um, not just to the audience, but to the speakers so they can get their stories out there and build awareness of what they're doing. Can you tell us um, what kind of, like who 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 are the audience? Who turns up to these events? Um, yeah, absolutely. At the moment, we're I guess you'd call it we're in the the early adopter phase, if you like. So you know, certainly people that are already drinking the Kool Aid to a lot of a lot of points. So, but it's a it's a real mix of the SME side of things. So you know, social enterprise founders, smaller business operators, um, people uh, really possibly more at the start of their journey in the first few years and they're, they're trying to find their, their community, find their tribe, if you like. Um, and then the other side, you know, it's kind of 50-50. And then the other side is that we're getting now a bit more engagement at the corporate level. Um, we're getting a lot of impact, sustainability, ESG leads, um, CSR, if they're still using that term, Um We've got some fantastic partnerships at both the national and local levels in some of these cities that really give us, I guess, a, an inroad to some of these uh, business communities. Um, every time we go to a city, we kind of uh, partner up with a university whilst we're there. Yeah. So we've got some terrific uh, academic uh, connections around the country, which also gives us a a little bit of inroad into some of the research that's going on in this space, which is really cool. We've got a climate researcher speaking in Adelaide in a few weeks, which I'm really fascinated to to hear what she's up to, um, Dr. Cassandra Starr. Um, huge shout out to, to Cassandra for helping us bring Adelaide to life. But, you know, um, yeah, for the most part at the moment, our community, particularly post-COVID, we kind of had to start again in a lot of ways with some of these cities because, uh, you know, Melbourne, it's the first time we'll be back in Melbourne and Adelaide since 2019. Um, but our mission is to bring people that are not on this train. So next year mm. our campaign is going to be, please come back to our events and join the party, absolutely, but bring your mate that isn't doing this stuff that needs yes. to hear it. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's bring them in and uh, and let's do some some uh convincing and engaging so um yeah that's 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 who but as you're aware you know you get around these circles and the, the people are just inspiring they're awesome it's fun yeah and you are you are giving them that platform to inspire others which is brilliant so and i can i can well imagine that it starts to build that community are you doing anything to to um give that community a place to come together apart from the events? Uh, well, yeah, funny you ask that. Yes, we, we will be, I guess, a sneak preview. Um, Ooh. Yeah, so uh, certainly working on a very, how can we authentically bring this community together outside of our events? Um, and what I mean by that is there's one rule for our speakers, apart from 17 minutes, um, 
is that they're not allowed to sell. So there's yep. no there's no selling from stage and it's not an activation. And I'm very, very, like, that's the one thing that I'll never budge on is yep. that 17X is not an activation. We're not there to sell into something else. It's there around, we're here to have a conversation and our three pillars are to uh, in, uh, educate, engage, and enable action with the global goals, right? So we're not here to sell stuff. But then, so that's got to stand true for me as well, okay? And whilst, yes, a lot of people out there will be like, well, hang on, you still need to work on what is other parts of your business model outside your event. And yes, I'm aware of that. Um, but I really want to stand true to how do we authentically bring this community together to give them a place to, for, so that we can fulfill on those three pillars around education, engagement and enablement. So um, we are working on a, a membership style model for next year, but one of, one of the processes inside of that is how we can, again, build that open door policy for our community to do business with one another and to be either working together or just being each other's cheer squad and community. So there are some things in the woodwork, yes, and um, if you stay tuned to our brand, uh, you know, through, through all of our stuff, then you'll hear about it pretty soon. Oh, that's very exciting. So, um, yeah, we'll include... Um, we'll include links to your website and contact in the oh, show notes you. so people yep. can continue to follow the journey. Um, okay, so we're going to have to start wrapping this up, which is a shame yep. because I could just keep chatting to you for ages. Um, very like-minded views here. Yep. Um, I want to ask you before you go, what's your thinking around the relationship between um, purpose and profit? love and money they have to coexist because otherwise one doesn't survive without the other um yeah i think that's basically it right money money's not evil like profit you need profit to be able to create the impact you need profit to be able to employ people you need profit to be able to put a roof over your head that's that's cool um i think that the idea of you're only doing good if you're giving it all away um <laughs> is possibly outdated now um, and I understand that there's different levels of, of purpose in giving and different labels as well. And I get that there's a, there's a term for social enterprise and there's a term for circular and there's, you know, we've got ESG now and there are different ways and, and, you know, some social enterprises, uh, define themselves because they give away 50% of their profits and others are a pledge 1% environment. And for me, I don't think any of that really matters around what label you give your purpose or your action or your giving. Um, I think it's, again, it goes back to that kind of live thing. And, and if you're really aligned with the outcomes you want to create in the world, whether they're community-based or even just locally and in your own family and your own team and the people that are just working closely within your company and you're making money from that, that's that's cool. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and, you know, the love that comes in around creating outcomes for the people that are around you and, and involved in your community and your stakeholders, that it all just co coexists now. Uh, yeah, you can't exist. You can't make money without a bit of love in there and you can't love what you do without making a bit of money. And it all, yeah. For me, it just it's all circular, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely that makes complete sense. I heard someone um, describe it at the Shared Value Summit the other week as um, purpose is your destination 
and profit is your fuel to get there. Oh, um, awesome. Yeah, which is a really good way of doing it. Intrepid Travel talk about purpose and profit as a package deal, and that's another great nice. way to look at it. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm a big believer, obviously, for love and money. Um, yeah. I feel like, you know, this, this sense of being apologetic about being profitable or making too much money, we've, we've got to shake free of that idea because, you know, we need to be ambitious. We need to be really ambitious with the impact we want to create. And the more profitable a business is, the more they can scale their impact. And we've got to think big. You know, we can't afford to think small. We can't, we can't afford to apologize, be apologetic for being successful. We've got to use success to scale impact. Yeah, so. yeah. I think uh, I think you, yeah, we're we're swimming in the same lane here, Carolyn. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. So look, um, we're recording this in October. This episode will come out, I think, in November. And as you mentioned, you've got, um, I think, Perth. Is that November still? Uh, no, no, so Perth is October 26. So um, anyone that's listening that that may have wanted to hear some of our great speakers, they'll all be on YouTube, uh, their film. So you go check all that out through our website. Uh, Adelaide is November 17th. So if you're in Adelaide and this gets out prior to the 17th, come along. We're at Flinders in CBD. Yeah. Melbourne, Melbourne, we are oh, Melbourne. My goodness, if you can get to Melbourne, you need to come to Melbourne. Melbourne's lineup is just you know. Walk away, amazing. Um, I'm really chuffed about a Melbourne, and I'm excited, but I haven't announced them yet. So, um, oh, I'm excited. What's the date for Melbourne? I might have to fly down. December, so December one at RMIT uh, at the new Academic Research Building or the newish, but this really really cool kind of theatre setup they got there. Um, yeah, the the December uh, lineup. It, it's probably announced by the time you guys hear this. So. Um, yeah, there's some terrific leaders coming and talking. Um, so jump on the website, check it all out. And if you can get into the room on December 1, if it hasn't sold out yet, um, I would highly recommend you come along because it'll be our, what, you, what do you call it? When it is it a, um, oh, well, it's our final event of the tour. So I guess we'll just have a party at the end of it. Uh <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Okay, I'm going to check that out. And um, if I can, I will be there. And then 2023, you do it all again? Yeah, look, 20, 2023 is going to be a lot of fun. So this year's just been about really reconnecting with our community and our partners and, um, you know, yeah, certainly showing up for the love, Carolyn, and, and how do we how do we just really, um, yeah, just really be that, that megaphone for some of the great people that are doing this so that we can use that as a as a, a springboard to kind of scale a bit for next year. Yeah. In 2023, we'll be doing our full Australian tour again. Um, and most likely some of our events will go to full day. Um, so we'll just make them a little bit bigger with some some more experts. So that's really exciting. But uh, we also have a, a pilot 17X youth forum that we're working on for next year with some partners. So that's going to be really cool. Um, so 14 to 24 year olds in the same format. And uh, if we're lucky enough, we might even have a cheeky event somewhere in Europe next year, but we'll see what happens. But um, we also have some innovation programs kicking off next year around bringing that community together as we discussed and membership models, more podcasts and all sorts. So 2023 is going to be a lot of fun and I'm on the hunt for some great, amazing purpose-led individuals. So 
uh, if you know any, send them along to say good day. I might just happen to be able to do that. <laughs> I reckon you might. <laughs> Mick, thank you so much for coming on the For Love and Money podcast. I've loved chatting to you and um, I haven't yet been to a 17X event, but um, you will see me, if not at Melbourne, then 100% in 2023. Yeah, absolutely. Well, grateful to be here. Thanks so much for having me along. Um, I, I'm yeah, super, super grateful to um, to be a part of your community as well. And, and congrats on all the great things that you're doing, bringing this kind of conversation to a, a bigger audience. Love your work. Cheers, Mick. Thanks for listening to this episode of the For Love and Money podcast. If you'd like to take a deeper dive into the purpose movement, visit us at thecauseeffect.com.au. And remember, doing good is good for business. So if you're not doing good, then what are you doing? <laughs>